0: Hi, I'm Rich Fournier, and in this episode, I sit down with Faisal Susawala, a real estate broker with REMAX Twin City in Cambridge, Ontario. Now, in 2018 and 2019, he was awarded the number one ranking for REMAX Canada for the most individual transactions sold in all of Canada. And in this episode, he's going to share his unique perspective on what it actually takes to make money and be successful in the real estate industry. So stay tuned to hear some brilliant insights from a major top performer that has never been shared before on this platform. So here we
1: go. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Well, hello
0: everybody, Rich Forney here from the Peak Results Academy podcast, and I'm super excited today to bringing um, a gentleman to the podcast today to interview him. He's an extraordinary individual. He's accomplished some things that very few people have done, and I, I just am so excited because to have someone of his caliber on this podcast to share with you his successes and his failures, is really a gift to all of us. And so today I really want to introduce Faisal Susawali. Hopefully I said that correct your last name.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You got it.
0: And I just want to maybe explain to everyone a little bit about you, give a little bit of introduction and it, you've had some amazing accomplishments and I don't want to gloss over that. Um, currently you're with REMAX Twin City in Cambridge, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: And some of the accomplishments that you had, you were the number one individual real estate agent for remax in 2018 the number one in canada yes you are top one percent in the world for remax you're a diamond award recipient all the way back from since 2005 to today you've done over three billion dollars in sales You're You're hall of famer lifetime achievement award youngest inductee into the circle of legends and in 2007 you were the youngest member of the luminary of distinction, which has only around 75 to 80 members worldwide. Last but not least, you're happily married since the year 2000 and you have a son and a daughter.
2: Yes, that's Your wife's right. Name's
0: Natalie, and you have a, an amazing life.
2: Very blessed, very happy.
0: Can I just say congratulations on those accomplishments? For some of my listeners who aren't in the real estate business, that just means you have served a lot of people. That's correct. And and that's, it's quite an accomplishment. So thank you so much for taking the time to spend, spend with us today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
0: Now you are located in Cambridge, Ontario, which is, um, about an hour outside west of Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Been in business for, for a little while.
2: Yeah. 32 years.
0: And, uh, so what you start in, what year did you start?
2: 1988,
0: 1988. And, uh, since re- with Remax since 1994. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. And you know, my job on this podcast is to try to figure out or to draw out of someone. What is, why did they create a peak result in their business and in their life? Right. What is the magic holy elixir? Because so few people in the real estate industry, even last past the three year mark, right? And that's my job is to try to pull that out of you. So I was wondering how difficult was it to start? Because I think you were really, really, really young when you got started.
2: Yeah, I was 18 years old. I was still in high school. I was uh, finishing up my grade 12 and uh, just basically uh, stumbled across this career unknowingly. Believe it or not, I uh, was inspired by an infomercial one night uh, watching a gentleman on a, on a yacht talking about how he's made it so rich in uh, you know buying and selling real estate. I'm like, I want to be that guy. You know, He's on a yacht. He's got beautiful ladies in bikinis. I'm like, that could be me. Was and that Carlton Sheets? No, that was Tom Vu.
0: Me I remember that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that. Mind you, his, uh, you know, the inspiration was great. I, I, I don't believe he had uh, had a great uh, success story afterwards, but uh, at least it, it got me thinking that, hey, I could I could do something like this. And uh, so I went to the local community college and there was a course on real estate. And really, I, I had no idea at the time that that would lead to licensing. I just had going to learn about it and uh, I was always sort of entrepreneurial and I thought, Hey, you know, let me, let me see what this is all about. And that was my, uh, the summer of, uh, after I had finished my grade 12 and I was going back for it in those days, it was the Ontario academic credit, which grade 13. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I went into that and, uh, I finished uh, that summer. And then in November of that year, uh, I was able to get my license in 1988. I was still 18 years old, still in high school. And I thought, okay, well, this is, uh, this is kind of neat. So a good friend of mine, uh, Jeremy, said, hey, my dad owns a Century 21 office. Why don't you go see, see my dad? And um, so, of course, uh, I didn't have a car at the time. So I walked from school to the Century 21 office, went in there, and they looked at me and said, hey, you know what, great seeing you, but you're just too young. This is not a business for young people. Uh, and, and, and I looked like I was 14 years old, so that was even more difficult to... Um, and, and so I was waiting at the bus terminal for, uh, for my bus to get back home. And I recall that there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Mineri, who my dad had met when he first immigrated to Canada. And he had helped my dad. And I, and I remember his office was just above the Royal Trust uh, office at the time. So I thought, let me go see if Mr. Maneri is still there while I'm waiting for the bus. I'll tell you, it's the best thing I ever did. I went upstairs, I knocked on the door, Mr. Maneri opened the door. He was 70 at the time. Um, and he remembered my father and we had a nice little chat. And I said, well, I've, I've finished my course and I want to get into real estate, but I'm having difficulty having anybody license me. And he said, well, I'm about to retire, but you know what, I don't mind licensing you. So he sent my stuff off to, I think it was uh, the consumer commercial relations at the time that was doing the licensing. and got me licensed and I continued with high school and started working with him. And I was very fortunate in those years to have a mentor uh, mm-hmm. such as Mr. Mineri because he really gave me some some ground rules and some ways of dealing with people and just basic ethics about you know doing good and just do a good job and don't think about the money and it will just come and just, it was just so nice. It was almost like having a grandfather sit you down and say you know this is the way it's gotta be son and follow this and you will lead to success the money may not come instantly but it will come and don't think about that just think about doing a good job being fair to people and you know i i've, I've lived by that my entire career um very very fortunate in my early years where i you know being a young kid just uh then i scrounged up enough money to to to, to buy a car um, I convinced Mr. Mineri in those days, in 1988, cell phones were not very popular. But I convinced him to spend $3,000 in installing a, a car phone in my vehicle. And uh, I would pay him back slowly and slowly. And, you know, what I learned from that is he wasn't afraid to grasp technology and look at the evolution of where things could go. And I was able to react very quickly when somebody paged. I was able to instantly respond to them. And I learned very quickly at that point that response level and response timing is so important to get back to people in a timely way. And I still do that today. I respond immediately to my emails, to my calls, so that people are not sitting there waiting. And and, and today, people have a lot of choices. You've got to be able to be on. And and so those are all things that um, very early on in my career, I, I got a really good grassroots sort of lesson on how to do business.
0: So that's where all the instant communication actually started was 1988
2: then. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. When you look at the evolution of the business from then till now, lead generation online, capture pages, you know, some of the bait and switch things that we're seeing out there today. Are you doing a lot of lead generation online or are you relying on your past deals, past database?
2: So um, all of it. Excuse me. So one of the things that I um, never stopped doing is looking for new business, growing my business. So 32 years in, um, over 5,000 homes sold. It doesn't matter. I continue look for new business because in order to grow, you can't just depend on your sphere, on your database, on your on, on your local sort of market. You've got to continuously expand. So yes, lead generation is very important to me. However, I'm very careful in how and who I align myself with or partner myself with for those lead generations. You have to remember that when you start having a, a, a good amount of Presence in social media, in 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 the real, you know, in the the web world, you don't want to give that up because if someone's searching my name, if I've put myself on all of the lead generation sites, chances are that my name's going to pop up through that lead gen site, even though the person was actually looking for me. So you've got to be very careful who you align yourself with and don't forget to continuously boost yourself through social media, through Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google ads, whatever it is, continuously do that. Don't depend just strictly on the lead generation because you don't know if they were actually Googling your name and because you were not promoting yourself, the first one to show up was the lead gen site, not yours. And now you're giving up 25% of your, of your, of your commission or you're paying a fee for that lead to come into you.
0: Absolutely. I do. I do see that And that's how we actually got started in the Berry market was online. Yeah. Didn't know anyone. It was all online. Okay. What drives you every day? Like, like we can get into the nuances, of the business and you know, there's that, I mean, that's a whole six hour conversation. Probably I'm fascinated why you're still driven. Like what drives you? Five thousand deals, three billion in sales. Like, you you don't have any more mountains to conquer.
2: Well, it's interesting. The drive, I would say, probably started at the age of eight. Uh, my my parents um, immigrated to this country in 1972. My father had an industrial accident in 1975, lost his right arm. Um, my mom walked to work. So, what drives me? Fear of poverty. Fear of being poor. Fear of having uh, to lose my home. Um, at At the age of nine, I remember my family had to go bankrupt in 1979, and um, we had to move into a rental home. Um, and you know that also it sticks with you as as a child that that stays with you. And what 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 happens is you also bring that into your daily business. When I when I meet someone that's having some financial difficulties, instantly I recall that time where you know the sheriff was there and we had to move out of our home and we had to move into a, an apartment and the struggles that my family faced. So each day, although I live in abundance and I live in, in, in great gratitude, I never forget the feeling of poverty, the feeling of, of that fear of not having enough. And because of that, I continuously, myself, my brother worked continuously at, since the age of, Eight and nine, delivering flyers, newspapers, picking strawberries, getting into the back of a cube van at four in the morning for two dollars a bushel to just just put that money back into the the pool so my parents could pay their rent. So those are things that you know when you grow up like that, and when you have that fear. Um, that's your drive and you don't want that for your children. You don't want that for your, for your family. And you want to give back to your communities. You want to do all those things. And um, so my, my drive is, is just that fear of not having that position, being in that position again.
0: Wow. What a story. And uh, uh, did your mom go back to that same factory?
2: My mom worked at the same factory. It was called electro home at the time. And my mom, Went back to that factory, and she worked there um, almost thirty years at that factory. And um, even after I was licensed, we uh, you know we we had lived together, and uh, we bought a home together. We but and and you know what I also saw. My father didn't give up. In 1982, he put together whatever money he could. My mom worked. Uh, my dad worked a, as a security guard at a hospital, uh, night shift. My mom would work day shift. And they saved every penny they could to get back into it, get back into buying a home because they knew that the only way to have stabilization and growth was to, was to have a home for their family. And, and so they never gave up. So when you, when you look at that, and, and these are people that were making $8 an hour, $6 an hour, and they were raising three children. And, but they had that drive because they wanted to have a better life. And that's really what drives me today is when I see people, um, they're renting or they're they're just spending their money, and and young people today, they're wasting their funds on things that are really not going to give them uh, any sort of wealth or any sort of stability in life. Like, I really, really am motivated to help these people to see that this is the way of growth. This is a way of evolving out of a, a situation that, you know, is not going to take you anywhere positive.
0: No, it's not. I was raised by a single mom and we rented and seeing her struggle has um, inspired me to do different things in my life and to always keep pushing because you, you wanted stability. The fear of losing it all and it's horrifying to me
2: and you know even as a child like i i always had these great visions uh you know i wanted more i wanted to be more i wanted to be better i wanted to have more and and it wasn't and i knew it wasn't going to be handed to me and that's one of the things you know we've we've sort of entitled our children today and we've given them all the benefits and we don't want them to suffer but in a way those adversities actually build the character and build the personalities and build that mindset of growth and, and, and wanting to have more. And uh, my son and I were cleaning out um, uh, the basement uh, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I found this box from when I was a kid. And, you know, it had these sports cars and it had all these things, uh, pictures and magazines and all these things that, you know, call it my vision board. And you know, I didn't think of it as a vision board at the time, but it was all these little collections I had. And you know, it's so gratifying that today I can actually look out into my garage and see some of these things that I had thought of owning one day. And, and those are really, really satisfying moments in my life when I can say, you know, I've, I've done all the right things or I've tried to do all the right things to get to where I am today. Uh, and I didn't hurt people along the way. I didn't cheat people along the way. And I tried to stay true to my ethics and morals. You
0: know, when you look back, when you look back at the programming that you had in your in your mind, because you were programmed at a young age, you made a decision at a young age to perform at a certain level. Can that be taught later? Can someone develop that drive later in life, or does it really start younger? Because I had a a broker owner on not long ago, and he said, "Rich." It's either you get it or you don't. Can't be taught. That's just the way it is. I've <laughs> been around this business too long. It can't be taught. And I, and I respectfully disagree, but I, I'm interested in your
2: take on it. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think that there are moments in life when you have realizations. And mm-hmm. Those realizations happen. You have a choice. Are you going to embrace that? Are you going to face it? Are you going to evolve with it? Are you going to put something into action to either enhance that situation or get out of a bad situation? Or are you just going to let go with the flow? I've always chosen not to go with the flow. Uh, Maybe a contrarian approach, whatever it is. Uh, When everybody else is exiting, I'm entering. Um, When everyone is slowing down, I'm amping up. Um, And, you know, we're in some Crazy times right now where, yes, you know, we're in isolation and we've been told to shut things down and just, but that doesn't mean that you shut your brain off. I mean, this is a great time to think, strategize, uh, and, and put into action all those things that you've been putting off. So, you know, situations happen. We're in a situation now. You can choose to say, oh, this is it. It's doomsday. We're, we're out of business. Or you can say, okay, this is great. This is somewhat of a sabbatical for me. I'm going to take this time to really grow and and learn and maybe take on some things that I wouldn't have been able to take on because of time restrictions.
0: That's right. I was going to wait to get into the present insanity, but why not? We've entered this this path now. So when we look at COVID-19 and, you know, as agents, there's a sensitivity that we must have in terms of buying and selling property. And there's some physical limitations currently. Um, As well as not everyone wants to hear from us about buying or selling a piece of property today. You don't have to give me, you know, your magic sauce. But what are you doing right now to serve your clients during a very sensitive time? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. I mean, it's a big deal. So how do you serve and still grow without looking like a douchebag?
2: Oh, yeah. And and you know that that's a fine line. Number one, continue to stay engaged. So don't don't shut down. Uh, Don't post, uh, you know, memes and things that are irrelevant. Post things of value, post things that people can maybe um, look at and and, and get some some benefit from. Whether it's a, a government website to to help them navigate Um, on how to or maybe it's just a tip on hey while you're at home let's let's do some decluttering let's reorganize let's paint let's let's get just keeping people engaged keeping them motivated not letting people fall out of sort of the radar Um, this is not the time to say hey if you're ready to buy or sell give me a call this is that's that's douchey that's not what this market and this time requires. This time requires uh, consultation, problem solving. There are people that um, are uh, in need of buying a home because they've already sold a home and they haven't been able to purchase or they have bought a home and they haven't sold theirs because of the crazy market pre-COVID that we had. Um, So become a problem solver, become a solution giver. Don't become a promoter at this point. So, you know, you have to shift. There's a time to be a promoter and there's a time to help people. Um, I took a lot of heat, uh, about three weeks ago when the, when this whole breakout happened, I went on video now uh, on my Instagram channel and I said, stop showing houses three weeks ago. I said, stop. Now, I am one of the top agents and I'm telling you stop showing houses, stop having open houses, stop having meetings, do not allow people into your home. I made that statement other realtors, other brokers, all kinds of people, even my own sellers gave me a lot of grief over it. But you know what? It was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. The right thing to do was not expose people unnecessarily. And also from a business perspective, I saw the volume of showings going down. I saw the fear in the market. Why continue exposing something to the market, When you know that you're not benefiting anyone because what you want to be selfish. You don't want that listing to expire. You don't want it to be suspended. You will come from a place of fear that if I suspend or expire this, they're going to go with somebody else. So be it. Do the right thing. The right thing to do right now is take the home off the market. Wait until things go back to somewhat normal. Now there are exceptions and I'm still, if you go onto my website, you will see I'm still selling homes. I'm still getting above asking. However, those are vacant homes. Those are homes that had to be sold for financial reasons or whatever situation those people were in. Those are exceptions. I'm not saying, um, you know, painting the, everybody with the same brush here. But if it's not necessary, there's, this is not a time to gain market share.
0: Fair enough. That makes sense to me. Now, there is, it's always a good time to do the right thing. And what I'm seeing is that I'm seeing the true professionals in this business because there aren't a lot. They're not a lot. True professionals are giving the right advice. They're doing what's in their client's best interest, not their own. They're not making commission based decisions. They're making client centric decisions. And that's super great to hear. How is the market down there in Cambridge right now?
2: the market has been booming I, on, on that on that one topic though I, I want to touch on one other thing if you have staff mm-hmm. this is the time to treat them well <laughs> treat them right they've been there for our good times they've been there working along our sides they've done everything for us to get us to where we are i i have three full-time uh, assistants that work for me they're not licensed agents they're assistants yeah. and i refuse to lay them off i'm paying them in full uh government grant no government grant government incentives my goal is not to lay anybody off this is a part of our business they are a part of our business and we have to continue supporting them and their families because you know some of my staff has been with me for 17 18 years now and oh. the last thing i'm going to do is they're, they're family to me am i going to abandon them at this time so sorry i just want to put that in there for anyone that you know may be thinking well if times are tough yeah they're tough for them as well so we have to think about that
0: 100%. I agree with that.
2: So uh, yeah, the business in Cambridge has been booming. We are a bedroom community, a commuting community to uh, Brampton, Milton, Mississauga, Oakville, um, and what that has done is really benefited our local market because our price points are 30 to 40 percent below. Um, our neighbors that are east of us or in, 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 in higher valued markets. So we are the um, affordable choice for people and that has really driven our market uh, exceptionally well.
0: That's what we've seen here in Barrie as well. Yeah. It, um, it's allowed us to be a bedroom community and um, just one highway and a little bit of snow, right? Yeah, true. Sure. What advice can you give a brand new agent that's starting in this insanity today you know what can they do if they were licensed last week and trying to get into this crazy business is so, it the same advice as you would give if it wasn't this problem
2: uh, i think the advice is the same whether whether we're in a situation that we're in or or not um, reach out to your sphere start building on those relationships that you have but become a source of information so it's not about you know my 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 biggest thing is nbc never be closing not abc i don't close so you know forget this whole idea of closing 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 that is it's just obvious it's annoying it's pushy when you're doing an nbc not never be closing attitude what you're doing is you're just providing information you're providing support you're providing um, access and access to whether it's information whether it's listings whether whatever it is be that person be a go-to person Um, build on your sphere contact them but not saying hey list with me sell with me like I'm here for you here's what's happening in our marketplace. Be a source of information. I came out of print media in 2012, all print. And I went social. And I'll tell you, it's one of the best things that I ever did.
0: So just, so no billboards, no farming?
2: Uh, sorry. Um, billboards, yes. Buses, yes. But all magazines, newspapers, flyers, I stopped all of that. <laughs> and I completely online when it came. So anything that I was doing in print media. uh, So branding, that's, that's my part two advice to someone that is starting out today. Start branding today. Start building your brand today, but align your brand to an existing giant brand. So you know, I'll, I'll throw a plug in here for Remax. Um, I started with Reed Maneri Real Estate, which was an independent, and he was great. And I didn't leave until he retired. In 1991, I joined Realty World, which was a new and up-and-coming um, company. Um, it was young, it was hip, it was cool. Uh, they had great systems in place, great training in place but they were still not the number one brand in my market. And in those days you didn't join Remax because you were afraid of desk fees and all that kind of stuff. Um, But they were the number one brand. I could, I was the number one agent at Realty World at the age of 23. However, I wasn't with the number one brand. So I would lose out to Remax agents, left, right, and center because I wasn't with the number one brand. So my advice to young people today, you may not be number one in your market. You may not be number one in your in your in your in your career. But if you join the number one brand in your market, and I don't care if it's Keller Williams or Century21 or Remax, whichever brand in your market is the top brand, is the most known brand, join them. Now align your name with that brand and start branding along that. So you're becoming synonymous with the industry and with that brand.
0: That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. Um, Did you ever create your avatar, like that person that you wanted to work with? You know, you hear all the marketing people say, you need to absolutely identify the exact client that you want to work with every day. I've never done it. Um, I'm not sold on it, but did you ever do anything like that?
2: Uh, the exact client or the person you want to be uh, or aspire to? No, that's
0: different. That's different. Okay. But the exact client you're looking for.
2: So I'll tell you about the exact client. Um, uh, have you heard of the book Influence by Robert Cialdini? No, I haven't. Okay. So it's, it's about NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. I've done it. All right. So that's what it's about. Uh, if you identify with a certain type of client, you know, there are people in my industry, Oh, you know, I only, I only, I only work with million dollar clients. I only have, you know, this high end, I schmooze, and this is how I get my business. Well, guess what? You're going to be very, very broke very, very quickly. Um, I, my average selling price is $530,000. Um, I'm not dealing with high end clients only or low end clients, but I treat them all the same and I speak to them all as if they are my friends. So there is no um, identifying. It's about becoming who they are, about uh, almost mirroring their language, mirroring their actions, and this is what NLP is all about, right? And understanding them, when I walk into a listing presentation at the door, I set my briefcase down and before I sit down with them, what do I do? I ask them if they would give me a tour of their home. Why am I doing that? I'm trying to learn about them. So as we're walking through, if they're telling me, oh, I just spent, you know, $89 on this doorknob. Now I know their expectations are going to be somewhat higher. They're, they are going to want me to feed into all the, all the beautiful things they've done to their home. Um, As I'm walking through, I'm also learning um, about their behavior, about their language, about the way their expectations and how are they, are they going to be passive? Are they going to be aggressive? Are they going to be, you know, what their expectations are going to be? So when I sit down at their table, I've already figured out how I need to speak to them and what those key words are going to be that are going to be good triggers. But I'm not going to close on them. My clothes at the end of my listing presentation is literally me starting to pack up my listings, uh, all of the information, packaging what I need to leave for them. And at that point, they'll say, where are you going? Like, we're ready to sign. And that's, that's, a, like, you know. Then you've done a good
0: job at that point. You've created a relationship and it created a new friend.
2: And, but you've also put them at ease, right? You're not, the, because if I'm pushy throughout the process of listing their home, they're going to feel apprehensive about listing with me because I might be pushy on making them accept an offer that they don't really want to accept. Right. Right. You brought up a, brought
0: up an interesting point when I said vision of the client, but you were referring to vision of yourself in the future, but at present tense, I'm assuming. Yes. Now we're kind of jumping a bit, but this to me is, this is magical right here how much of a part of the success that you've had is what you're referring to magic in your mind, creating a vision of yourself.
2: It, it's a hundred percent. Your mindset, your mindset is everything you you know, um, I still wake up every morning, excited 32 years in, I'm still excited to go to work because it's not work. It's, I'm enjoying the relationships I'm building. I'm enjoying, there are challenges, of course, there's always gonna be challenges, but it's exciting. It is exciting because you know, you're going to be making a difference in people's worlds. You're helping people. And you know, when you come from that mindset and it's not about the money, believe me, it's not about, oh, I've got to make X amount of dollars. You know, one of the things people ask, well, do you have a goal every year on, on, uh, you know, how much money you want to make this year? No, I don't. I actually don't. I don't think about how much money I want to make this year. I just want to do better this year than I did last. That's my goal. And you know, you mentioned 2018, uh, most homes sold in Canada, um, 2019, most homes sold in Canada, highest commission earned in Canada, fifth in the world for commission. And I'm not saying this to brag about it. I'm saying that's my mindset. I just want to beat last year. I just want to do better than I did last year. I want to do more for me for my clients, for my family, for my community. I just want to do what I can to basically empower those around me, empower those um, people in my community and, and enable um, my friends and colleagues to do better with their lives.
0: What do you do every day to maintain and grow that mindset? Because I think, you know, Tony Robbins says, you know, with, 5% 5% is strategy and 95% is mindset. So is there a process that you have put in place to, as Goggins would say, callous your mind? You know, what, what do you do every day to, to keep that mind in tip top shape?
2: Well, I don't, I don't stick to one, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of different interests within the business. So I'm, partnering with investors, Uh, I'm developing, I'm involved in land purchases, I'm uh, involved in new home uh, construction, I'm involved in growing my business, but I'm also involved in building other uh, buyers agents within my office. So I've got so many different things going on within my business. I, I have a property management department. So all of these things keep me completely occupied and and submersed in this business. I eat, sleep, breathe real estate. This is what I do. Now, having said that people might say, well, you know, this guy must work 24 seven 7 he doesn't take a break. Um, uh, you know, I'm right now I'm at my cottage in, in blue mountain in, in isolation here. Um, but even when I'm not in isolation on Thursday evening, I come up to the cottage. my family joins me on Friday, but Thursday evening is my night. I come up here, it's one of the uh, the most exciting night, nights of my week are Thursdays, so I can come up here, relax, de- de-stress basically, and then um, Friday I'm all energized. I go skiing uh, in the winter, we go for a walk, we go for the trails, um, and I am not physically available to meet with people Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I only meet with people Monday to Thursday. And that doesn't mean I'm off. I'm still on. I'm still replying to my emails. I'm still doing business. I can do electronic business when needed. But my offers are Mondays to Thursdays. My listing presentations are Mondays to Thursdays. If someone absolutely needs me on a weekend, I'll come home Sunday afternoon and meet with them. But other than that, I'm taking time for myself. So it keeps me very engaged in. Work days are Monday to Thursday, and I'm on solid. And I'm and it's exciting because I'm taking time for myself and my family at the same time. So I'm not burning myself out.
0: So the majority of your business is listings now.
2: It is, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I just to be
0: able to have that kind of Monday through Thursday uh, lifestyle. It's a listings business then.
2: Yeah. So last last year I sold just over 400 homes. 280 of those transactions were listings. The balance were buyers. Now buyers, I have a different sort of way working with buyers. I refer my buyers to a buyer's agents. I do not have a team. I simply refer them and they run with that buyer. When that deal works out, we have a 50-50 split on that buyer. They get, now I get a half a transaction credit for that. They get the other half. So it's not, I'm not taking full credit for their transaction. So it's based on what percentage split we're on
0: sounds like a win-win relationship in that situation
2: it it really is it also it also empowers them to continuously build their brand so when a newer agent Comes in, they're not under my shadow. They're not under my umbrella. They're not restricted from, from listing and selling homes and having their own sign on. They're having their own billboards or bus benches or whatever they wish. They can do everything. They can do self promotion. They can do absolutely everything they want. It's no different than me sending you, Rich, a client in Barrie saying, right. This guy wants to buy a house. Help them out. So it's the same way, but I'm doing it in my local market with five trusted agents that I work with.
0: It's very unique. Yes, and I think you are coming at it from a servant attitude and a very focused viewpoint on. There's plenty to go around.
2: Yes, absolutely, and that's you know, the, you have I'm getting loyalty from from people like that because you're you're a lead machine to them. You're just generating leads for them constantly. But at the same time, it's allowing them to grow their own business without that begrudgedness of, I got to pay the team and all that, all the deals that I'm doing myself.
0: I understand that. <laughs> I do understand that. Um, my goodness, we got so many pieces of good information that, um, I think so many people are going to be served well by this. Um, are the kids going to come in the business? Side note.
2: Well, you know what? My son's eighteen. He's uh, he wants to be a doctor. I'm probably the only East Indian man out there does that does not want his son to be a doctor. <laughs> you know? I'm like, what? You want to be a doctor? That's hard work. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> so no, he has no interest. Um, my daughter, uh, at this point, she's saying no, but I think that she she's only fourteen, um, and and she's she's very social and. Uh, you know, she may, she may, uh, look at it, but at this point, no, none of my children are interested. I I think that they, you know, I I think that's, uh, in some, some instances that's common, you know, kids don't want to do what mom and dad are doing. Right. So.
0: Uh, Yeah. My children have said, there's no way they want to come
2: into the real estate
0: business. Well, my youngest one, Morgan, but she just wants to hang out with me. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 That's that's right. (laughs) That's
0: right. Still today. still wants to hang out with me. Listen, there's so many people in our business, real estate business, that come in thinking it's about real estate. And there's so very few people that actually make any money in this business. Why is that? Why, like what is that magic sauce that makes someone perform versus, you know, the one that comes in with all good intentions and then just kind of fizzles out? What, like, why does that happen?
2: Okay, so there's a couple of things. They 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 don't take this seriously enough. They're not looking at this as a business. They're looking at this as some maybe some are looking at it as a part-time job or supplementary job or or this will pay for my vacations or I'll sell the odd house here and there. And you know, so so those people are not going to be successful in this business. Those who look at this as a as a proper business. So let's let's look at the beauty of our business. If you own a clothing store, you have to buy the inventory. You have to stock your shelves. You have to pay the lease. You have to, you know, you have to cost of goods. You know, there's an investment required in you, right. uh, uh, you know, basically stocking your 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 business. Uh, we have millions and millions of dollars of inventory that's given to us for absolutely zero. So where do we need to invest? We need to invest in ourselves, in our, in our branding, in our marketing, in our strategies, in our network, in order to get a piece of that pie. So most people are not understanding this basic concept that you're in business. So this is not, you know, I, I'm always shocked at how many people are just hanging around the office. You know, they're, they're checking it at nine and they're checking out at five and I don't know what they're doing, honestly. I just don't know what are these people doing in the office. Okay, maybe they're coming in, making cold calls. Uh, Maybe they're scheduling their door knocking session. I'll tell you, in my career, I've never door knocked and I've never cold called. I've used my marketing as my passive um, marketing strategy without being annoying to the person on the other side of the door or the other side of the phone. Um, So those are all things that, you know, you have to sort of pick a lane and stick to it and and come into this business looking at it as a business, not, uh, hey, I'll make some quick cash if I sell a couple of houses here and there.
0: All right. What advice would you give someone today to start? Is it, is it just the circle of influence? Would you tell them to lead generate online? Would you, um, is it pay-per-click advertising? Is it just social media? How do they expand their database? What's the best strategy for them?
2: So... The sphere of influence, number one. You know that, that's that's right. You know, when I started out, I went I I went back to my newspaper route to let them know because I was 18 and at 16 I, I my newspaper route. So I just went back to them. That, that that's why I was part of my sphere of influence, uh, and I and I knew the streets. Uh, but today, everything works if it's applied consistently. So you know I never I never invented the wheel. I never invented this wheel. I just copied what everybody else was doing. Not what everybody else, what all the top people were doing. And I copied it consistently because what I realized is that it it was feast or famine. And our business is very much like that. You know, you have a few good months um, in the spring. So you ride out the summer and you enjoy your summer because you've had a few good months of, of commissions coming in. And then fall is there. And now you've got to like, oh my God, now I've got it. I've spent it all. Now I got to start all over again. But by that time, Christmas arrives and then the market slows down again, right? And then it's winter. So nobody's buying until spring. So then in spring, you start thinking, okay, I better start amping my marketing up again. Well, it's too late. You're just, you're on that roller coaster, right? If you're consistent. So in the days that I used to send flyers out, Twenty-five thousand flyers would arrive in my farming area every three weeks, regardless of Christmas, Easter, whatever it was. I was consistent, and I was providing information, properties that just sold, um, information on something that was relevant to them. Now we have this beautiful thing called social media. You can instantly upload information in real time. Do like videos are great. You know, put out. A, information video on something current that's happening today. Um, Reach out to your past clients, if you've got past clients already, and give them some information on maybe extracting some of their equity in their homes and investing it in real estate and perhaps a new project that's coming up and show them what you're doing. And I learned this by mistake because people would say to me, you know, I guess about 10 years ago, hey, Faisal, you know what? Um, We understand you have rental properties, um, how did you do that? How 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 does one do that? I've never held a seminar, I've never had an investment seminar or, or how to get rich quick seminar um, because I'm not out there just wanting to flog whatever's out there. I want to give people quality substance. Now what I've done is since those days, I've actually reached out to my clients who have bought homes from me that I know are in a position of equity. And it's from a place of concern that Look, RSPs and RESPs are not going to pay for your child's education. The RSPs that you have in your mutual funds may or may not give you what you want at the end. So why not invest a little bit of money today? Take the equity out of your home, put it into an investment property. In 15 years, it'll be paid off. And now you've got not only income, you've got appreciation of an asset, a tangible asset. Do the same for your children. Buy something in trust for them. So you're just educating people on how to build wealth without being in their face and without trying to come across as this is, I'm in it for me. Cause yeah, I'm not in it for me. I'm actually showing them what I've done. So lead by example and be, you know, have some skin in the game. This
0: coronavirus, how much is it going to change the market?
2: Well, that's the, uh, crystal know yeah.
0: none of us really have any clue, yeah. but yeah,
2: they're important. Okay, here, here's my thoughts on this. The fundamentals have not changed. And we can use the stock market as an example. Yeah. Daily, it's up, daily, it's down. You know, you, you got a 20%, you know, it went from a bear market to a bull market because it's psychologically driven. Right. But you got to look at the fundamentals of the business, fundamentals of your market. If you came out of a thriving real estate market in your region, I don't expect that market to dive just because this problem has happened. I believe there will be a time of adjustment, but it's going to be psychological adjustment. It's going to be confidence building again. Look, fundamentals have been there. There's a shortage of housing. There is continuous immigration into the country. People need a place to live. Major city centers are very expensive. So, People like yourself and myself that live in the outskirts, I believe, are going to benefit from this. They're going to have more people moving out, coming out of denser areas, wanting to be in the suburbs, wanting to have quality of life, wanting to put some money back into their pockets if they're selling for a high prices. So, you know, if we look at that, it, interest rates have come down. So it's going to, we're setting up for recovery, in my opinion but I believe it'll be three to four months before it happens. And it's going to take people just being patient and not acting out of desperation. Um, that's what it is. Like, you know, you look at it and say, well, you know, just because, you know, my bank stop, stock dropped 40% in, 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 in two weeks. Is this a good time to sell it? Probably not in my opinion.
0: Right. I agree with you. We're looking at it as um, as a time where, we get to do some projects that we always want to do. We have some time to do it. Um, we want to deliver as much value to the end consumers as we possibly can. Um, and really making sure that we grow emotionally during this process, getting ready for the next run. Yes. We're basically treating it like I'm in training camp again. Yeah right? Absolutely. yeah. right. Let's get ready to go and keep going. And are you continuing your spend on your marketing right now? Is it the same or are you pulling back a bit?
2: No, I, I have not pulled back on anything. Uh, I'm continuing. I haven't pulled any ads. I haven't st- stopped any, you know, like I, I'm on 21 buses in Cambridge. I have not said, okay, let's take stuff off or I'm not renewing. Con- I just renewed a contract. Um, absolutely. No, if anything, and if people are pulling, and, and this is what I did in my earlier years, when I saw people taking, pulling out of items, I filled those gaps. When somebody came off the uh, uh, arena in the mall, uh, they had a big sign there, I took that space. So anywhere there were gaps, I started filling them. This is, this is a temporary situation, but we've been through 1991, session, to 2008, um, and I saw people pulling ads out, pulling marketing away. I, I just amped mine up. I started gaining market share as a result of people fearing that. Well, okay, I, I the end was nigh, right? Yeah, yeah. So why? You know, there's no point in in pulling back right now. At least sustain. If you don't, you know, I'm not saying invest more right now, but at least sustain what you have within okay. your ability to do so. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, look, I'm not saying go into debt and put your, you know you've got to feed your families. You've got to do all those things. But if you have the ability to do, I was devoting 20% of my income annually for years on marketing. Fortunately, I'm at a point now that I'm probably devoting 5% of my annual income towards marketing, but it will go, your business will increase and your spend will go down. And, And this is what you want to want to work towards.
0: That's a great piece of information. Actually. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Is there any books you're reading today that are contributing to more growth in your business?
2: Well, I, I just finished uh, you, you know re- reading Robert Cialdani's book, yeah. Inf- which is a great book to read, and I recommend it to anyone that's in in. The, and I'm i I'm not reading. I'm actually writing a book right now, so I'm uh, hoping to have it uh, published by the end of this year. So I've been working on it for the last two years. Uh, bits and pieces I've had uh, for five years, but I'm all finally compiling everything.
0: What's uh, what kind of book?
2: So it's it's basically it's called The Real Deal, A Journey of a Billion Dollar Realtor. And, and uh, so when it's ready, you gotta come back on. Absolutely be happy to do that. I'd love to do that. And it's it's a the purpose of the book is that you it's it's a journal somewhat. It's a biography. It's it's a message for my kids first and foremost. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things you don't sort of sit down with your kids and you tell them your whole life journey. Uh so I want to put something uh, in a book where I, if it, I don't care if I sell a copy or not, I, I just wanted to document it. Um, and, and things like what I've shared with you about the, the the hardships of life. And those are not things that you sit down and you talk to your kids about regularly, but you know, I wanted them to know about that. Uh, number two, I, I want it to be inspirational. There are a lot of young people who face adversities and they feel oh, I'm too young or I'm not edu- I've got a grade grade like 13 education, always see education. Um, I don't look at that and say, I didn't go to university, therefore I'm not good enough. Or I didn't have a formal post-secondary education, so I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. You have to feel you're good enough within yourself. And, and you look at your successes and you thrive off of those successes and you build on those successes and stop dwelling on your failures. You know, those are the things that, so it's an inspirational book for, for young people really to, to pick up and say, you know what, if this guy could do it, I, I- can do it. Exactly. So that's important. And then there's strategies. There's business strategies. There's what's called the Susie Wallace system, which talks about a team without a team and how to, um, even if you're a team leader and you want to look at a different concept where you can keep your team members more engaged and happier and help them grow. Um, what to do? Um, so there's all kinds of different systems, and you know, uh, getting the listing. What what steps I take in getting a listing? Negotiating an offer. What steps I take in that investing? having skin in the game, partnering, multi-level partnering. And then most importantly, uh, I call it the Lexit strategy, uh, uh Lexit strategy strategy, which is, um, leveraging your exit in this business. So we as realtors I have no exit strategy. Exactly. Nothing to sell. And look at insurance people. Insurance people have a book. Mortgage reps have a book. They can sell their database because there are renewals coming, right? Insurance has renewals coming. Why are we as realtors not doing that? Why have we not created this exit, this leveraging your exit?
0: What The last stat I heard, it's most people will, only 11% of people will use the same realtor that sold them the house. 11%. I don't know if that stat still holds.
2: But yeah, are not
0: holding on to the the relationship, or?
2: It it, it it's it's one hundred percent not holding on to that relationship, and and it is so important that day one, I will say this to a new agent: day one, when you start building your business, start thinking about your exit. It's no different than when I show a home to a buyer; when they're buying it, I'm already thinking about what are the issues going to be when we need to sell it? I'm thinking about exit on every purchase. When I buy a piece of land, what's my exit going to be? When I buy a building, what's my exit going to be? What's my expectation going to be? So why not in this business have we created an exit strategy, which will allow us to not only um, maintain our business, pass on our business, but continuously have an income stream from our business. And, um, I, I won't profess to say I've got to figure it out, but I will say I'm close to having it figured out. Um, And there's certain steps that you have to take in your business starting now so that you're able to do that. And it's aligning yourself with the right people, having um, formalized contracts in place with those people. And not just, you know, it could be as simple as, hey, write me a check for X amount of dollars and I'll sell you my database. I don't think that's a viable way of doing it. And I learned this because... A couple of years ago, a, a realtor who I respect very much, he retired after 51 years in this business.
0: What happened there?
2: What happened this. There are people in our industry that have uh, done very well and they've left the business, uh, they've retired from the business, they've lost their license or whatever has happened. I have been the beneficiary of that in my local market because it just sort of dispersed right throughout the marketplace and the next leader picks up all that business. If, if you've maintained a good reputation and you've maintained a good business model and you built good relationships, if you are able to introduce your clientele, your database to say, this is my partner in business, this is someone that I trust. They've trusted you. And if you trust that person, then it's the introduction is just as important as, as saying, well, here's who you need to work with. And, 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 you know, so there's, but you've got to start doing that towards your exit and start building up your database in a way that you're able to um, pass something viable on to the next person
0: i heard of a story i won't mention his names so that aren't permission to but a gentleman in mississauga who created an exit for another gentleman who'd been in the business for about 40 years and um i think they they agreed on 50 percent for an next period of time and then after a certain period of time it went down to 25 et cetera and it worked out very well for both parties
2: yeah absolutely yeah. and the other thing is you know if you're going to do that type of thing don't give up your license don't lapse your license like hang it with a, a brokerage or or whoever you can Continue Because then you're still registered under the act. You're still part of RICO. And anyone you're passing your business along to has to adhere by those regulations as well. And those referral agreements have to stay intact. So there's, there's all kinds of little things that can be done instead of just saying, Hey, that's it. I'm going to have a going away party and off I go to Florida and that's it. What are you living off of?
0: I agree. And that's a shame That's those are relationships and a whole lifetime of Business that can be still used as an annuity for yourself.
2: And you're you're if you're creating your brand properly from day one, you're you're also selling your brand. You know, you're selling your brand. People are calling. You're selling your phone number. You're selling your email address. You're selling your website. You're selling your social media platforms. You're selling that entire package. Uh, And I'm not saying selling. You're sharing it, and you're getting a return on that.
0: Right. Did this is a personal question. Did you have a lot of coaches throughout your career?
2: So I can tell you that I've never had a business coach. I've never had a real estate coach. I've had real estate mentors within my industry um, that I've looked up to. I've learned from, I've had colleagues that I've looked up to and I've learned from I've had life coaches, Tony Robbins. We've talked about him a little bit. Um, From the age of 18, I've been following Tony. Uh, A couple years ago, I had the good fortune of uh, being able to meet with him and uh, I was able to bring my son and my son met with him as well. So um, I would say Tony Robbins has been my life coach per se, Uh, but I also I'm inspired by a lot of great people. So I, I read books, I, I listen to podcasts, I'll uh, follow individuals. I like to see their journey. I, I like to be inspired by what they've done, how they've done it. Um, and, and there's a common uh, denominator in all of these, and that's their mindset. Their mindset is of success. These people are driven not by money not by but but something greater they want to do more they want to do good they want you know they want to inspire and by sharing they're inspiring but they're also learning and and that's one of the nice things that uh i think successful people will understand that when they talk about something they're also learning at the same time
0: best way to learn is to teach yes yes i appreciate you so much because not only did you take time away from your family today Um, you're imparting a lot of knowledge. If anyone's listening to this podcast, they're going to understand if they actually listen to the podcast and really focus on the things that you have said, you've given them a lifetime of information. And I don't think that many people give that up willingly. So thank you very much for, for sharing that. Is there one thing that you can tell someone today to focus on in their career that will make absolutely all the difference in the world. The last thing that you can share today.
2: Um, in their career, I would say, start investing in your marketing now. Okay. Wait, whether it's a sponsored ad, whether it's uh, look, if, if, if you're in a uh, small, smaller community and you have an area that you want to farm, flyers are fine. Send some flyers out. Um, do all of those things. I don't recommend cold calling. I don't recommend door knocking. These are formulas of burning out and just being consistently rejected, which for me, I just did not like that whole concept. So passive marketing, but started now and, and just don't be pushy. Don't, don't go in with the attitude that you have to close. Because when that's desperation and people see through that, provide information, provide solutions, be there for people and be sincere and do a good job. The money will come.
0: I appreciate that very much. Well, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day with your family. Stay extremely healthy. Um, stay inside. And thank you so much. Is there a way for people to reach out to you if they, they want to refer you? They want to ask questions. Um, what's yes. the best way to reach out to you?
2: Absolutely. So my email address is uh, Faisal, F-A-I-S-A-L, at Homeshack, dot com, And my phone number is 519-624-5555.
0: Thanks again for everything. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to connecting with you very soon, especially when that book comes out.
2: Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on, Rich.
0: Thank you so much.
2: All the best.
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to PeakResultsAcademy.com/slash call. That's PeakResultsAcademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. We'll chat soon.